0: Yeah, do you remember that time where we were up in the boundary waters with, with Grandma? That was the time where she brought up all the fishing gear and like we were trying to hike out into the middle of the woods and she wanted to bring the fishing poles just in case. You remember that?
1: I got yeah, my <laughs> fishing <and> pole.
0: <laughs> You're like Grandma. This is this isn't the place to fish.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, I need a second. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We, we should probably get into it uh, this is Devin
1: this is Richard
0: and this is the wildlife so we were just kind of reminiscing we were talking about this time where um, we got to see something unique um, and, and interesting okay so okay yeah okay I don't think I'm doing a very good job at telling this story and I'm actually visiting right now so we're this is the first episode we've done actually live. In person together, maybe. Oh, let's 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 get mom and dad to come in and tell it because, I'm oh, hey. yeah. So uh, yeah, that'll work. Let's go get them. So it's presently we're recording. It's live. Beaver Dan. I think it's at a better spot. I think it is at a the those, quick. The quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog.
1: Those pumpkin donuts are really awesome.
2: What are y'all talking about? The
0: the beaver otter thing. Do you remember the Beaver when Grandma was with us?
2: Yeah, we saw the big old dam. No,
0: no, 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 no. The the otters that came up.
2: Oh, the otters that came up and harassed the. Yeah. The, yeah we were see, trying to remember. That. We were
0: trying to remember the details, and Ricky was five, and he remembers mostly what people tell him about oh, it. Oh, that's
2: so sad. <laughs> so and I remember there but, were a couple of things. First, we walked up to this sign that said Moose Overlook, and it was a big old swampy looking area. And we came up to the edge of this creek that was about 10-15 feet wide, and we we found this clearing and it just looked like a good spot to, to sit and wait for moose to come by. So we, we found this log and we rolled this log over it to use as a bench and we all sat down on it and it got boring in about 45 seconds flat, everybody started fidgeting and someone said well why don't we get up and walk around and look for the moose and we started hearing this little barking sound, it was like a little chirping barking and it sounded like three or four little things barking or chirping at each other like prairie dogs kind of and the water swishing and water swishing and here comes four or five otters all playing in the water and then we saw this little island and on that island there were three beavers each beaver on the island was chewing on a log i mean they were pointed like east west and south and those those little uh, otters they swam up and they, they came up, and they all started barking at each other, almost like they were talking and planning an attack. They all started chirping back and forth. And then two of them swam over to the left. Two of them swam over to the right. The ones that went to the left uh, came up and was making all this noise, and the beavers started looking that direction, walking that way. And uh, one of them went in the water, and it, it slapped its tail a couple times in the water to, like, try to scare them away. Well, the the otters that went to the right came up on the island and grabbed this small log that one of them had been chewing on and drug it out into the water. And they were barking almost like they were laughing and having the best time just harassing those beavers. It was hilarious. (laughs) That was it.
0: Anyway, you know, I've got to think that stories like these, for those who have had the chance to spend time outdoors, especially in the Northwoods, are somewhat common. Like, here, let me, let me try and build a bit of a scene.
1: Bring it on, Donkey Kong.
0: All right. So it's getting late in the evening. The sun is resting on the treetops, and the sky is filling with the deep blues, purples, oranges, and pinks. And you've been out in the canoe all day, and you're slowly on your way paddling back to the campsite. You've got dragonflies buzzing all around, doing that thing where they kind of hover in front of your face and stare at you, and you think you might get attacked. But then they go away. And then suddenly, you hear a slap on the surface of the water. You look and you see ripples. But then, something peers through the surface of the water, maybe 20 feet away. And there it is. You've got two beady black eyes staring right back at you. Just for a moment before disappearing back below.
1: Sounds about right. Canoeing, camping, the boundary waters, these things are a great privilege to experience. Not everyone gets that opportunity in their lives. And with beavers, not everyone's experience is as positive.
0: Yeah, with beavers in particular, not everyone has such fond memories of enchanting encounters. For some, the experience is anything but. How do you mean? Well, how about this? There's an old saying that I think fits perfectly. It goes, a beaver in the wrong place is a nuisance, but in the right place, they are an ideal conservationist. Who said that? I don't know. No idea. Uh, Some biologist or something. But uh, the important part is it's a perfect representation of our humans' complicated history and relationship with beavers. But to understand this story... We must first understand the animal at its center. So before we do anything else, we are going to travel back in time.
1: Uh, you mean like metaphorically?
0: No, literally.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Yep,
0: step into my time
1: machine. You mean this cardboard box right here? It only looks like a cardboard box. Um, alright. Wait, what? What's that noise? Why is this vibrating?
0: So beavers have been impacting their environment for thousands of years. There are only two species of beaver in the world—one in Europe, and one here in the U.S. They're the second largest rodent in the world, just behind the capybara in South America. Have you ever seen one of those capybara? I think they're adorable. Yeah, they're I know. I want one. They grow pretty much continuously throughout their entire life, reaching about eh, 40 to 50 pounds on average. And they live for about 12 years.
1: Okay, um, yeah, that's cool, but like, what what the heck is happening? Step outside. Wait, is that...
0: The ancestral beaver, over 7 feet long and reaching up to 250 pounds.
1: That's one big rodent.
0: Yeah, you know, technically, yes, they are rodents, but let's be clear, rodents, they get a bad rap.
1: Well, yeah, rodents are rodents. They can be gross, like sewer rats and other gross things.
0: Well, did you know that rodents make up 40% of all mammal species? Wait, really? Yeah, so a rodent is basically just united by one trait, and that's their teeth specifically the incisors which never stop growing. If they didn't do things like gnaw so often to keep their teeth dull, it would cause some pretty painful consequences. They basically just keep growing until they circled or spiraled up into the roof of their mouth or something like that, and that's uh, pretty gross. So when you're a creature of this size, especially one that needs a near constant supply of gnawable material, you're gonna leave your mark in some
1: way. So how does a beaver leave its mark? I suppose there's the obvious like dams and lodges, but how else can you tell that there's a beaver nearby?
0: Well, um, let's see. Let's take a look around, uh but you know, let's be careful. Oh, here you go. Here, squat down here with me.
1: Is is that Yeah. Poop. Scat. You're right it, it a scooby to scat. <laughs> oh god. Uh <laughs> Do you think we talk too much about poop on here?
0: I didn't mean that kind of
1: scat. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we probably do. Well, now to change the topic, those trees look like they have been gnawed on. No doubt. That beaver's looking at us funny.
0: Yeah, you know what? Let's get back in the time machine. We We are in present day Boundary Waters Canoe Area because understanding how a beaver does what it does is key to understanding why it does what it does and why those things are vital to the ecosystem they inhabit. How do you suggest we do that?
3: Oh, hi, Devin. Beatrice!
1: Oh, wait, do you two know each other?
0: Yeah, long story. Richard, meet Beatrice the Beaver.
3: Okay, so first things first, I'm the realist.
1: (laughs) Uh huh, uh huh. You seem in a good mood.
3: Well yeah, you know, people seem to think we're all work and no play, and you know what? I'm here to prove y'all wrong. I'm gonna teach you a song. Oh? And you have to follow along, or else. Or else? Yep. Okay. Alright, are you ready? I'll go, and then join in when you feel ready. Beaver one, beaver all, let us do your beaver call. Ra-ah-ah, 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 ra Beaver two, beaver three, let us climb a beaver tree. Ra-ah-ah, ra-ah-ah, ra ra Beaver four, beaver five, let us do a beaver dive. Ra-ah-ah, ra-ah, ra ra Beaver 6, Beaver 7, let, let us go, go to, to Beaver, beaver Heaven. Ra 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 ra. Beaver 8, Beaver 9. Stop. It's, it's beaver time. time. Go Beavers, go Beavers, go Beavers, go Beavers. Go beavers, go beavers.
1: <laughs> okay, it's actually pretty catchy. Yeah,
0: I know, right? So, uh Beatrice, I was hoping you, you could help today by telling everyone about your many super cool adaptations. Sure.
3: Well, where to start?
1: Hold on. Maybe we should explain what an adaptation is quickly for those who don't
0: know. Okay, yeah, that's that's probably a good idea. Richard, give me a thumbs up. All right. Okay, now wiggle it. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Ah, yeah. see, opposable thumbs are an adaptation. Adaptations are physical or behavioral traits that come about through natural selection as a result of environmental pressures or demands of a lifestyle.
3: So like for me, I've got these super dexterous hands Sort of like a mechanic's gloves, so that I can grip things easily in the water. I've also got these pretty sweet webbed back feet that act as flippers.
1: Are your front feet webbed too? No.
3: I need to have full use of my fingers for hauling around wood and sticks and mud. Ah. Yeah, and I have split toe claws for grooming myself with my castor oil.
1: What's that?
0: Oh, you know what? I think I have a little bit in a jar here. Yep. Okay, take a whiff.
1: It smells like vanilla and cinnamon mixed with gasoline and licorice. That's
0: a pretty accurate description. Definitely has that kind of gasoline burn,
1: huh?
3: I use the oil from that to keep my fur nice and conditioned.
1: Where does it come from? My butt. Wait, what?
3: Well, near my butt. It's a butt oil. Comes from my cast effects, right by my anal glands.
1: Why did y'all have me smell that? You know,
0: it's relevant.
3: Oh, Huff, it isn't that bad. Can we move on? Yes. I also have nicotating membranes, which are like a second set of clear eyelids.
1: That's sort of like goggles.
3: Exactly like goggles. I can plug my ears and nose underwater. Let's see. Oh, duh. I've got four super sharp incisors that grow forever that I use for wood. Did you know that I can chew through a six-inch tree in 15 minutes?
1: That's pretty good.
3: Totally. We also have thick, double-coated fur to help us stay warm in the winter and huge brains. And as if that wasn't already a lot of amazing adaptations, we can stay submerged underwater for over 20 minutes. So take a big, deep breath, and now hold it for 20 minutes. Just kidding. (laughs) All these adaptations allow a beaver to do our job.
1: So what is a beaver's life like?
3: If we start at the beginning, baby beavers are called kits. When we get to about two years old, we get restless and need to venture out into our own and find a new pond or lake. It has to be just right. We need deep water. Too shallow, and we might be seen.
1: How old are you?
3: Two and a half. I'm spreading my wings. Blind solo. On my own.
0: I helped her move in.
3: Oh? Yeah. I just moved into an old abandoned lodge, but let me tell you, not all beavers are as clever as me. Sometimes, a particularly busy beaver might take all the good trees around, forcing it to skip pond. Once they leave, though, the trees will eventually return, leaving a perfect setup for some young beaver years from now. But it gives us a bad rap.
1: So do all beavers just find old lodges? No.
3: Um, so most of us have to make them, but, you know, you might think that the first order of business would be building a lodge after leaving home, but that's not the case. First things first is constructing a dam to increase the water levels of a stream. We use branches, rocks, muck and vegetation to build a sturdy wall. These <laughs> <laughs> to build a sturdy wall. This floods the surrounding area, typically around late summer. Once the dam is built, then we can go build a lodge using logs, branches, and insulating mud. You know, Insulating like warm. I know these one guys whose lodge should be on MTV's cribs. 50 feet wide and rise 10 feet out of the water.
1: Is that even on anymore?
3: I don't know. It's not like I get good reception out here. What? Something not many know is that we usually have up to three rooms. One for future kits, one for feeding, and one for the rest. You know, kicking it. Oh, we also build canals and passages to safely reach food throughout the winter.
1: So, do beavers not hibernate? No
3: way! Do people think that?
1: Yeah. What do you do about food and stuff?
3: We stash inner bark and branches into the murky bottoms of lakes and keep them preserved and collect them as needed through the winter like a mud fridge. Cool. Yeah, and sometimes we get roommates during the winter. You know, like mooching muskrats and stuff. I mean, they'll bring us sticks and things, so I guess it's cool.
0: And you know what? Beaver ponds provide homes to countless other critters too. And this is actually really, really cool. When a beaver builds a dam, it might flood up next to the base of some trees that have been there. And when it does this, it tends to kind of suffocate the tree. And when that tree dies, it becomes home to a whole bunch of different insects and macroinvertebrates. Usually, that will end up attracting something like, say, a Pileated Woodpecker, which will bore holes all throughout the tree to get access to those bugs. Soon enough, those holes get pretty big, which provides a perfect nesting habitat for something like a wood duck, and eventually this tree will fall down into the water, along with all those other macroinvertebrates, and sort of become one with the bottom of the pond, making it a super nutrient-dense source. These ponds also help to insulate lakes, Or right along the dams, it tends to be a little bit warmer in the winter. So fish might congregate next to the walls of the dam or in the beaver pond so that they can avoid freezing. It's pretty neat. Well, Vigitress, it was nice of you to help us out today and to catch up, but we'd better get going.
3: Okay, I'll see you later, guys. Bye.
0: Bye.
1: Man. I had no idea beaver ponds are so cool, just how much beavers could do to shape their environment.
0: Right? But as cool as they are for wildlife and the ecosystem as a whole, people historically liked them for a much different reason.
1: Where are we now?
0: We are in the late 1800s. At this point in time, beavers were considered a rare species. Completely extirpated or locally extinct in most areas. Dang. Part of why were these ponds.
1: What do they have to do with it?
0: Well, you see the soil at the bottom of these damned areas is incredibly rich in nutrients, which is perfect for...
1: Farming? Yes. Uh, So what, people would kill beavers and drain the pond to use for farmland? Exactly. Nice.
0: Yeah, and that's actually kind of the root of many conflicts today beavers have largely returned to the landscape, especially to their old habitats, which happen to now be farms and farm roads, so when beavers build a dam, now they, in a sense, are the invader.
1: It's sad, but it makes total sense.
0: Yeah, but the extermination of beavers started way
1: before that. Back in the time machine? You guessed it.
0: All right, so the human beaver war is nothing new. It's thought that before European settlers arrived, there were over 60 million in all of North America.
1: Where are we this time?
0: Late 1600s, uh, Grand Portage, Minnesota.
1: Well, are those like voyagers, like real deal voyagers?
0: Looks like it. Come on, you wanna go talk to one? Hi, Mr. Voyager.
1: Aren't they French?
0: Yeah, but my time machine translates. Like the TARDIS. Exactly
1: like the TARDIS.
0: Hello, little pasty boy man. Hi, uh, could you tell us a little bit about what you do? I suppose um,
2: we canoe rivers and lakes at uh, 60 strokes per minute, trapping as many animals as possible, especially beaver, so we can sell the pelts to fancy plants in Europe.
0: Richard, these men were tough as nails, and they lived a romanticized life, but they also decimated the environment and largely treated native First Nations people with the same disrespect. Excuse-moi? You know what? Uh, Sorry, we're kind of doing something here. It's a whole thing. But uh, you, you can go. Wait. Hey. Good day, sir. Where are you from? I said good day.
1: I've always wanted to say that. I think you're pushing the wrong buttons here, and we should get back in the time machine. Yeah, that sounds
0: good. Okay.
1: So, it was demand for pelts in the European fashion trade? Yes,
0: and have you heard of the term Mad Hatter?
1: Yeah. That
0: term originates from European hat makers which use mercury to remove hair from pelts. Obviously mercury we know now is highly toxic and can lead to nerve damage, hallucinations, and the big one, uh, death. So in addition to people going crazy for the fashion, they were going crazy because of the fashion. And they were going crazy for the oil that was found in the castor scent glands of the beaver. They use them for perfume bases, medicines, flavorings, which still happens today for like some vanilla though rarely, and it was this demand that provided the famous French-Canadian voyages their livelihoods as fur traders. But it wasn't animal rights advocates, but changes in fashion tastes and beaver supply that eventually saw the beaver fur trading industry die out pretty much completely. Slowly, their numbers continued to rise. Now, they can be found in all of Minnesota's counties and across much of their historic range. Yet still, conflicts persist.
3: Okay, so when I was younger, around 10 years old, I lived in a pretty new housing development that was built over a lot of natural kind of um, wetland area in southern Minnesota. And we, in the first couple years of living there, started to notice these marks and these chew things happening on trees um, that were close to the pond that we lived by. And the pond was like a divider between the yards, pretty much. Um, And so what happened is over the course of a week, My neighbor across the way lost three trees because beavers were coming by and chewing their trees down and it was kind of taking bites out of other people's trees but it was only really knocking down their trees and then their trees would disappear. Now to this day I don't know where it was bringing them because there was never a dam built in the pond nor would there have been because it wouldn't make sense because it was incredibly stagnant unless Devin tells me otherwise. But um. Yeah, so what happened was then we had to have some- we all had to chip in, uh, to the neighborhood fund, I guess, and then we all chipped in to have that beaver trapped and relocated, or at least that's what my mom told me, because if she would have told me anything else, I would have sobbed, because I'm a saucy for animals, but I'm sure that's what happened, is that it was trapped and relocated, um, and- No one really seemed to like beavers except for the little kids, because the little kids didn't notice the economic impact, but the adults did. The kids wanted the beaver to stay. Who cares about trees when there's a cool animal walking around your yard, right? And that is pretty much my only interaction that has been that close with a beaver.
1: Okay, yes, so it's complicated, right? Humans have this tremendous ability to completely alter the world around them, yet in a very real sense... So do beavers, and they do so regardless of us, conflict is bound to happen.
0: Right, and that was a fairly minor case. Um, A lot of people, especially rural area people, have a quite different relationship with beaver, and a beaver building a dam isn't just an interesting thing, it could be incredibly impactful to their entire livelihood. It could destroy crops, it could do all sorts of damage. There's this duality in how we think and talk about these animals. Busy beaver, that's a term we all know, probably all use. It's a term used to describe the industrious, the hard-working, the never-quitters. We use a beaver as a symbol of admirable qualities in a person or an employee. Not to mention as symbols of the wilderness, but we also treat them as a complete nuisance. But either way you look at it, beavers are important. The impact that they have doesn't just affect them. It affects all sorts of things. The balance of macroinvertebrates in the environment, uh, the presence of certain bird species, uh, the survival of amphibians, that's just directly, but also has a whole things to do with how they they can direct the flow of watersheds, of streams and rivers. Beavers were here for a long time before us, and in many cases they are coming back. So at this point, it's becoming more of a needing to learn to live with them. In fact, there are some technologies that are being developed to help people better cope. Instead of having to trap and relocate, they can figure out ways to coexist. Um, So for one, I've read I read something before that talked about how beavers building dams is pretty much triggered by the sound of running water. Apparently in this study they set up like speakers in the middle of the room and they just played sounds of water moving and put a whole bunch of sticks in the room and the beaver started moving sticks on top of the speaker. I'm not entirely sure how it works, but the idea is if there's an area where you know that you don't want beavers to build a dam, but there's another area where, well, sure, it's fine. You could set up audio of running water and they'll build a dam in that spot, or you could use that to have them build a dam in a spot that's more strategic for you. There's also possibilities of uh, running pipes through a dam, so you can do this thing where, essentially the beavers think that they built the dam, but you can run a long system of pipes through the dam that go a certain distance out and, allow the, uh, and allows the water to flow out or drain somewhere else. All sorts of things. I, I don't know of all of them, but there are, there are a lot of different technologies being put in place um, and research being done that shows how you can coexist with these because they're not going anywhere, especially anytime soon.
1: And now, it is time for
3: Animal Sound of the Week.
0: Last week's Animal Sound of the Week was a blue jay. This week, it's a different sound. And that sound is this one. This week's Animal Sound of the Week is this. You can submit your guesses by going online to facebookcom blog and sending us a message or tweeting us or going on Instagram and using the hashtag #animalsoundoftheweek. Maybe not a great prize, but a prize nonetheless.
1: Instructions on how to submit your guesses can be found at thewildlife.blog forward slash podcast.
0: Remember, if you have questions for us that you want, nay, need answered, you can submit those questions by sending us a message on Facebook at The Wildlife Blog or by clicking the green Ask TWL button on the front page of our website. Remember, there is no such thing as a bad or dumb question. The whole of human knowledge came, point. The whole of human knowledge came to be only after millions and millions of wrong guesses near misses and failure, so never be afraid to ask or try to guess based on what you've observed, because guess what? That's science,
1: and it's how we learn. If you believe in what we're doing, you can show your support by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash the wildlife. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash the wildlife.
0: Remember, the wildlife is listener, reader, and viewer supported. can be found on soundcloud and itunes
1: for sources and a more in-depth look at what we talked about today check out the wildlife.blog as always if we've made a mistake or got something wrong please let us know with a quick message and we'll do our best to correct our mistake
0: when you become a patron like chris Trinkle. Alicia, who still don't have the last name yet, or Molly Smith, you'll gain exclusive access to content and have the opportunity to appear on our show to ask questions or help read the credits. Plus, you'll get a little bit of an award. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store and share with your friends.
1: Bye.